Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest experts are ALOM CEO, Hannah Kane, and ALOM Head of People, Paul Vagadori. Thank you for being here today, Hannah and Paul. So happy to be here, Jennifer. Likewise. Today, we're going to talk about the labor shortage in the supply chain industry. It's widely acknowledged that there's a significant talent shortage in the supply chain industry, as well as manufacturing. I believe that we have entered a new era of business problems and business solutions, and certainly the relationship to employees and anybody, any people in the supply chain really has become the key success factor in the battle between businesses. The question is, how can we get the best talent out there to work at our problems and work for our clients and for the solutions we are working towards? I am looking at this as a very long-term problem. And of course, there's a short-term problem for all of us because we are competing right now in a market where there is a lot of absences because of COVID-related issues. And so not only is a structural long-term problem, but certainly there's also a problem related to COVID. This is impacting everybody in the supply chain. And it's just not a short-term problem, but something we are looking at very long-term solutions for. What do you think, Paul? As you can imagine, this has a trickle-down effect, and it ultimately impacts our supply and demand and ability to scale, specifically uh, attracting and finding the relevant talent, that skills, that's knowledge, that's abilities, that are willing to make a change and essentially take a risk from their current employment circumstance during these uncertain times is a challenge. We're certainly feeling the pinch on the short-term basis here in the temp labor market for quality associates. On the positive side, the pandemic and the unemployment stimuluses, those have gone away, and we are seeing the labor pool increasing. And maybe we should talk about the different strategies that we are applying. The strategies are both retention and really creating a work environment that attracts a wide variety of both backgrounds and skill sets and also personalities. We want to not just attract them and recruit them in, but we also want to retain them. And so one of the things I'm really proud of is the longevity of ELOM employees. I mean, we are facing our 25th anniversary this year, and uh, we have staff members who have been here from the beginning. That's just a fantastic feeling. I've seen the staff members uh, growing their families and uh, building their careers. As a leader, I think that's one of the most gratifying things. But from a business perspective, this is also really important because 
you have all these highly skilled, well-trained staff and you want to really retain them. And then there's a recruiting and being the employer of choice, really being able to attract very high quality employees. What do you think it means to be an employer of choice? For an employer of choice, to me, it's diversity, equity, inclusion. For strategy specifically, I would say um, communicate. Specifically, I can speak to what we do a day long. We have quarterly newsletters, all company meetings. Speaking and sharing the entire picture, what we have to offer, and I think it's important you start from the very beginning when you're talking to uh, an applicant or a candidate. You connect the value that our organization is offering to customers or society to large. We can't focus enough, and that's very much of a focus, not only for our organization, but for my division with the people team, is the diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, and belonging. You need to set the example you want to model, and that that starts from the top. Hannah, what are your thoughts? Being both value-driven and purpose-driven becomes really important, and understanding and being part of the surrounding community and pulling everything in such that everybody understands where we are going, how we are doing it and understands the direction and also get to share in the success of the company. So Paul, you had said DEI, so it's diversity equality. Yeah, the idea is why does DEI matter in how it impacts specifically talent acquisition and recruitment and retention. And so let me get to the definition in in a second, but really what's most important is it matters if it's important to the organization and it's the right thing to do. And when I say DEI and I say J and B and I add that in there as well, I'm talking about diversity because diversity is really is, is a fact and inclusion. That's to me, that means that's a behavior and belonging is that emotional outcome is that the people want in their organization. And inclusion is the idea that I, as an employee, I have a voice that's heard and I'm making certain that the culture and the organization, that people can voice that contrary opinion in a safe environment. And I belong because there's a sense of community within the organization and I can be myself at the job and I'm not hiding my personal attributes. And just as I think was another piece that doesn't always get included. And that's a person's sense that fairness is and was practice in their organization. Why is diversity important and how does ALOM think about diversity? There are statistics that are out there that show a direct correlation between companies that have a DE&I mindset and a, it has a positive impact on attraction and retention of talent. We all need to be mindful of our actions and our behaviors that goes to have an impact on attraction and retention. It holds our leadership accountable. We want and we need diverse talent in our workforce. It's very clear, especially this younger generation, that employees and applicants want to be part of a diverse organization. If you enable equality of opportunity through fairness and transparency, that's a place that people want to work. Philosophically, it fosters belonging through unequivocal support for multivariate diversity. That's why I feel that uh, it matters and certainly how the impact it can have on talent acquisition and recruitment and retention. Hannah, I'm curious to hear what you think. For many years, a diverse workforce has been one of ALAM's secret weapons. So 
We have had diversity embracing culture since Elam's start. And this has allowed us to attract candidates that otherwise were overlooked in the market who are very talented. So at this point of time, we have, for instance, about 57% uh, female uh, staff members in an industry that's very male-dominated. And I think it speaks to the way we are embracing diversity and attracting a very diverse workforce. The reality is that we all come from different backgrounds and we all of a sudden start thinking about the premise that everybody brings to work. And I think that has really elevated this entire discussion about what should we think about when we are saying diversity. The interview process has its limitations, especially when it comes to attracting different personalities and seeking out diversity. Do you feel that it's easier today than it was five years ago or 10 years ago to find the right person, the right candidate for a position? I would say in in this instance that there is the opportunity for employers to be able to select from a wide swatch of places, not only in their practice, but also where they post and where they look for talent, that it allows them a wider pool of candidates that aren't just diverse, but also are, are qualified. I think it's become easier with technology, and that's all in the mindset of the organization of how and where they're looking. So when I think about the net we are casting to recruit and get more staff members onto the Elam team, and that has really been a big effort over the last years as we have grown as a company, we are doing our very best to be very inclusive in that process. What's really challenging now is we know that supply chain has a big challenge shortage Just in the U.S., we expect several million, too few people in in supply chain over the next years. It's a, a big challenge for companies and for employers. And certainly we are very concerned about that situation. The good news is if you know of a young person who is looking to start their career, there's virtually no better place to start than in supply chain. The pandemic has brought supply chain into everyone's common vernacular. It's on the front page of the news on a regular basis. Do you feel that this additional visibility is a positive for the supply chain industry in terms of attracting new candidates and new talent? Yeah, so all of a sudden supply chain has become front page news. And of course, that means that everybody's thinking about supply chain. I'm not sure about whether uh, that is going to attract many more people to the industry. The focus on supply chain and the understanding of how big supply chain problems are really have triggered a big investment in the technology I believe it will translate into lots of job opportunities in technology that solve supply chain problems. My feeling is that the biggest influx of new staff is going to be to the technology companies as a consequence of all this publicity. Paul, do you want to chime in here? 
I think we would be naive just to rest and say, okay, the floodgates going to open and they're going to come in. So I think on a and practical basis is the idea of starting to partner with more so with colleges and universities and specifically faculty to help bring ALOM front of mind to secure that quality talent. Jobs are continuing to evolve and we need to evolve right along with it. There's new skills that need to be added to our job descriptions and our profiles. There's new processes that need to be introduced. We would start with those skills and those capability assessments and start to look at each role and then try to align those training needs for continuous learning. So the idea is to make training accessible for all of our, let's call them adult learners. We use Elam University as that resource. And I think Paul is making a great point with the dynamic job descriptions, because as we are innovating and Elam has this big digital initiative that's permeating the organization, of course, all the job functions change. And so having that uh, dynamic, both in terms of the actual skill sets, but also being able to collaborate, right? Collaboration is the new gold in, in skill sets. Without collaboration and without being able to go beyond coexisting, right? In the old days, uh, you could have a company and the different departments would coexist and uh, you would coexist with your suppliers and you would coexist with customers. And today it's all about very fluid collaboration, sometimes very, very fast collaboration. And so for everybody in the organization to have those skill sets and that culture where you can collaborate, this becomes really a key factor. And I think ELAM has been, I'd say, not ahead of its time, but if you look at our core values, and one of the core values is respect, diversity, and inclusion, and collaboration. I'd like to talk a little bit about the idea that compensation is just one piece of the overall employment puzzle. Right now, we're seeing a lot of surveys that are telling us that employees feel that compensation is perhaps not even in the top two or three most important things that they're considering. Multi-generational employees are looking for more than something other than just pay. Being an employer of choice, what that means to me is someone who's looking at more than just a paycheck. They want to be compensated fairly for the work they do, but it's more than a paycheck because the individual wants to have you know skin in the game. They want to be engaged. We talked about culture and want to have a culture that they believe in and they feel like they're respected as a person and a contributor, that sense of community. And that goes more than just the total rewards of a base salary. But again, it's important because everyone has the basic needs, but there's other elements as well. Quality, sustainability, safety, corporate and social responsibility. Those are all the elements I think that make up an attractive culture and what applicants, candidates or employees for retention purposes are looking for that what makes them stay and uh, feel like it's more than just, as I mentioned, more than just a paycheck. I fully agree with that, Paul. And having a culture where everybody can belong and be appreciated is really important to me. The pandemic shifted the priorities for many, many of us. Many of the people who are or were in the workforce have responsibilities to their families. A school shut down during the pandemic 
all of a sudden it became an issue with what was happening with the kids. Were they looked after? Were they in a safe situation? But also, frankly, were they learning something? And one of the things we did was we did a stipend for our staff members whose children couldn't go to school, such that they could buy equipment or tutoring programs. All companies are struggling with this issue with how are we responding and how are we supportive towards staff members. In the old days, being a leader might have meant hiring people and paying their paycheck. Today, the requirement is very different. You need to motivate everybody to really uh, give their best and collaborate. It's that idea about having that work-life balance because we do spend a lot of time at work and it's so important that we treat our employees fairly, but also because we're spending so much time at work that we need to have healthy work relationships. Paul, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that candidates have to be ready to take a risk for them to pursue a new position. What can companies do to make the change seem less risky or make potential candidates feel more comfortable about making a move? If we're specifically talking, Jen, about uh, a candidate we want to engage and we feel that might be a a good fit based on our, our conversations, it's about being as transparent as possible to share what it is that differentiates ALOM from other places they may be working or where they're currently working. I talk about this when I talk to candidates, but also when we have the new employee orientation, we're selling, but we're saying here, we're sharing. And if you think this is the right fit, then you need to feel comfortable because if you're going to make a risk, we want that risk to be informed. So as many data points that we can share, the better you feel you make that informed decision and it doesn't seem so risky to your point. So I think it's important to talk about sustainability and the environment. We also talk about our policies and about being socially responsible and goals and metrics associated with that. But at the end of the day, what I think attracts them and retrains our employees, and I keep going back to this, is there's a culture that they can believe in. And it's really about actions are speaking louder than words. If you were to pick one feeling or one attribute, what is most important to you when you would be choosing an organization to work for, how do you want to feel in that organization? I think most of the People I interview say they really want to make a positive difference and being in an environment where they can make a positive difference. And yet I do think that being respectful of different backgrounds, there shouldn't just be one answer for everybody. We should respect that people come with different needs and requirements and see how we can meet them. The answer to that question, Jen, from my perspective is, do I feel valued for my contributions? Is my position respected and valued? And were you to ask me, how do you feel about your choice? I answer, it exceeds my expectations. And I assess that by looking at the company's values and whether the company upholds their values, which I think speaks to how we make our business decisions as well. I say, yes, we have, and it is the right place uh, for me. Hannah, Paul, I'm so happy that you joined me today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, 
go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.